Hey everybody, welcome back to The The Yamcast. My name is Chris. And I'm Erica. We here like to discuss young adult ministry. Yes, we do. So this season, we're talking about Colossians. Still. Still. If you're wondering, we are still talking about Colossians. Please find us on all of the social media platforms. And when I say all, I just mean Facebook and Instagram at The Yamcast. And you can email us at emcastpod at gmail.com. I would say we are becoming more and more professional. I mean, it's like memorized. I think this thing a year old is much more mature than most (laughs) podcasts at a year old. I I would say it's pretty good. We have a platform that works. We actually have a few listeners. A few. We have. Thank you for the faithful few. We have grandparents that still have no idea what this thing is. Mm-hmm. We're killing it. We are. We are. I mean, what I would love to see, this is our call to action this week. Oh, yeah. Is for you to follow us on social media. Okay. And interact with our with our various posts that we post. But But yes, follow us on, you can like us on. Mm-hmm. Facebook, yes. follow us on Instagram mm-hmm. at the Yamcast. We'd love to have you. We don't do Twitter because Twitter's evil. No. We don't do the Tiki Taki because that's also evil. I'm just kidding. Those things aren't evil. <laughs> no. we, we're just too old to be on them. I, at least, at least that's you're my, on Twitter. I have a Twitter account. Oh, okay. Oh, I'm I not do, on Twitter. I was going to say, I don't anymore. I mean, I do, but I don't, if you know what I mean. Once it got to like three social media. It's like too much. Two networks, you know. Anything over two, I'm done with. Yeah, I can't handle that. I don't even go to my Instagram. And I only check Facebook to see if there's any controversy that needs to be dealt with. <laughs> I mean, I that, pretty, is, that is what happens on yeah, Facebook now. I pretty it's much just scroll through Facebook to see if, if anybody from our church is saying something ridiculous that I can, you know, private, private message them and just say, hey, hey, <laughs> hey. let's tone it down a bit. <laughs> oh, that doesn't happen at all, does it? But all that to say, no, it doesn't. Hey, all that to say, follow us on the socials. Yes, please. <laughs> follow us on the socials. Click follow, click like. Yeah. Erica, what if it is a uh, an individual who's living in the woods, who's disconnected from everything? Uh, how would they go about following us on the socials? How are they even listening to us? They're not. Oh. But they should still follow us on the socials. Uh, yeah. So then I don't know. Chris, do you so if you are a either? wandering woodsman who is hunting every day and destroying animals and using their fur for clothing... Get going and uh, follow us on the socials. <laughs> so get socials, follow us on the socials. No, no. I hope to find a cabin somewhere where a guy has a word like Instagram on his wall. <laughs> and underneath that, he's got a little thumb sign or whatever they do in Instagram. Yeah. yeah. Like us, follow us, mm-hmm. socials. All right, let's 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 start with the, the read through. <laughs> Shall yes, we? yes. Let's get back to Colossians. We'll be in Colossians 2, 16 through 23. I'm excited. Ready? Yes. Let's read. (laughs) It's been so long since we've been able to do this. Verse 16 of Colossians 2. Therefore, which we always need to look for, what it's there for. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. So this seems kind of odd. Um. It's, it's, is it referring to like clean and unclean? 
The food part. The yes. food part is? Drink less so. Okay. Yeah, I guess there's not really like an unclean drink. I'm sure there is. Like if you took a drink and infused it with bacon, it would become unclean. Golly, that sounds interesting. Uh, everything's better with bacon, Erica. I ag- agreed. I do enjoy bacon. It's true. So before this, he just got done talking a ton about Jesus again and what Jesus did. Yes. And how Jesus solved all of this for us. And now he's coming into this where he's saying, don't let anybody pass judgment on you for what you eat, what you drink, mm-hmm. or what you choose to celebrate yes. in a way. Basically saying those things don't qualify you anymore because Jesus qualifies you. And nor do they disqualify you. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Yep. Now, is this talking about um, worldly culture or is this just within the Jewish Christian culture? What they're talking about with the eating and drinking festival, new moon, Sabbath. Yeah. So let me clarify one of the questions you asked. You said within the Jewish Christian culture. At this point, especially, there would be no difference between the Jewish Christian culture. Do you know what I'm saying? Like it. Mm-hmm. You have Jews and you have Gentiles, both of which are Christians, and they're kind of building a culture. Now, if you go to a Jewish, uh, you know, a believing Jewish synagogue today, there will be different rules than perhaps a Protestant church might have, and we're both following the same Jesus. So actually, ironically, in the world that we live in today, we've separated more than we should. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, we don't have a ton of Orthodox Jews in our church. In fact, I don't think we don't have any Orthodox no, Jews. Uh, but there are people out there that are following kosher laws, loving mm-hmm. God that way because they're a Jew and they also love Jesus and are following Jesus. So you got to think about the culture that it's dealing with. So what you're asking is, does that have to do with culture? Yes. It has to do mostly with the fact that in, especially in Colossae, you would have kind of a bunch of cultures clashing together. And what Paul's saying is, you know, the festivals are Jewish festivals. You know, the ones that he's talking about would be all the ones that we'd read about in the Old Testament. So the festival of Booths or the festival of Passover or the festival of, you know, Pentecost. You're celebrating all those things. You're celebrating the new moons. You're celebrating Sabbath. However, if you're not a Jew, you don't even have the rights necessarily to do all that. So in the ancient world... um, they didn't really have days off. Those didn't exist. So what a lot of churches would do is they would start by, uh, at the end of the day, you'd go over to someone's house and you'd just worship Jesus from 8 o'clock at night till 10 o'clock at night and go to bed and turn around and do the same thing the next day. Mm-hmm. And you go to work all day long. But the Jews had special rights and privileges due to a connection that Herod had made with the emperor that they were allowed to celebrate Sabbath or things like this. And so because of those things, you know, he might be saying, these people are celebrating Sabbath. Don't let them look down on you. Don't let them pass judgment on you. On the vice versa side, don't Jews look at the Gentiles and be like, you need mm-hmm. to practice Sabbath. Uh, he's just saying that's not the culture that you live in and you can rethink the whole thing. Yeah. Does that help at all? Yeah. All right. All righty, verse 17. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. And I just read your notes. I can't stop (laughs) laughing. Let me try that verse one more time without laughing. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. So yeah, my my note was, what in the world does this mean? Which the second part that it all, it's all, Christ has done it all. That's what that at least makes me think of, that... None of these actually have substance anymore because 
I shouldn't say anymore. They still can be important. Yeah. But, but that it's not what it used to be in a lot of ways. Well, and let me put it this way, because I think this is at least one avenue. This is this is a verse that is wildly contested within So scholarly. a lot of other people have that question too. Yeah, what in the world you, does that say? So that's why I was laughing. Like, oh, great. You're going to throw this one at me and make me answer. <laughs> so what in the world does this mean? Here's really what it's saying is in the world that they are living in, especially there is a perception that the festivals that are biblical are substantive. They have value. Mm-hmm. So sort of today, like you might have the discussion in a church of does baptism save you or does it mm. not? Uh, does communion save you or doesn't it? And, and, you know, we have a strong opinion in our church as to what that means. But there's other churches in the Christian world that would say, you know, there's a grace being bestowed to you. You know, if you're not baptized, you may not be saved, that kind of stuff. Like, I think that's somewhat ridiculous. Um, what he's saying here is all the festivals, all the things that are happening are a shadow of what's to come. So, for example, Sabbath rest, we are going to receive ultimate rest in the kingdom of God mm. forever. So this is a, when we have a day of rest, it is a shadow of what is to come. But the substance of rest makes no sense unless it's in Christ. Mm. Mm-hmm. So the festivals, the festival of booths, you know, you're celebrating the wandering of the wilderness. Well, who is the ultimate, you know, conqueror of the wilderness? Jesus. So the substance of that that celebration belongs to Christ and so on and so forth. I think that's the easiest reading of it. Yeah. But please understand that's a very controversial topic, but that's how I've come to understand it. That's the most easy for me. Because yeah, when it talks about shadow of things to come, I didn't quite understand that that potentially means in heaven, right? Like after. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that makes a lot more sense. Which this earth is just a shadow. I mean, he mm-hmm. said, he makes this comment numerous times. That the earth is a beautiful place that God has made. However, since what's broken, it is a shadow of what is to come someday. So as we think about that, we need to remember everything has value now, but we just have to put it in its proper place and figure that through. So. And yes, I love at the end, but without Christ. It means nothing. It has nothing. Yep. Verse 18, let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind and not holding fast to the head, which is capitalized, which is Jesus, from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grows with a growth that is from God. So this, so we did a couple of verses. I kind of felt like we needed the full yep. full thing in there. So this sounds to me like they, this is like when we forget about Jesus when we, it becomes kind of more about the rules, more about what it looks like, more about um, kind of getting finicky even mm-hmm. with and being a little bit more divisive um, rather than it just being about Jesus. Yeah, I think that's a good way to look at it. I'm going to go into this a little bit more in the deeper dive. So I'll, I'll pause, you know, some of the deeper mm-hmm. conversation here. But yeah, the idea is people were disqualifying one another for whatever reason. And Paul doesn't not wearing like that. this, not sounding like this, yeah. not. You don't have a cross necklace on. You can't possibly follow God. Oh yeah, you're not wearing WWJD bracelet, so there's no way you're following God. <laughs> I mean, you don't even have a Christian bumper sticker. Where's your Jeremiah twenty nine eleven hanging in your house? <laughs> uh, the Joshua twenty four. As for me and my house, we. Sort of <laughs> 
Okay, so we'll go more into that in the deeper dive. A little bit, yeah. Okay. It's a shorter, deeper dive. So, but yeah. Verse 20, if with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Such as, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings. I mean, this kind of reminds me a little bit of, of above, too. Um, kind of, yeah, a little bit more of that clean versus unclean idea mm-hmm. and getting caught up in rules rather than what Jesus is more so about, which is not necessarily about rules. Right. So I think it's, it's I feel like it's like trying to break a lot of, not Old Testament habits, but in, in some ways... Now that Old Testament was supposed to be all about rules either, but it definitely had a lot more, um, or I would say that they took it there, there there, a lot more than what Jesus is about in the New Testament. Yeah, I think if I were going to put it in, in words, I would say, which would be helpful because it's a podcast. We're going to paint uh, a picture here. <laughs> I'm just going to think about things. <laughs> does that, make more, does that yeah. make more sense? No, so if I, if I was going to put it in words... Uh, what I would say is there's a, a portion of this that the Jews don't see, I, I think a proper understanding for the Jews, this is how I want to say it. The proper understanding of the Old Testament for Jews is that it is not rules. These are the ways in which they get to show the world God's glory and his goodness by following what he's asked them to do. So a a really, truly good Jew isn't seeing it as a group of rules and regulations. They see it as this is God's understanding of shalom, and us living it out means this. So, for example, when when the Old Testament says, do not boil meat in its mother's milk, you know, do not, you know, they take that, and say, okay, well, then if that's the case, and that means we need to honor creation in such a way that we're not doing something sadistic with a, with a creature that we're going to cook. So instead of taking a goat and dumping it in its mom's milk and then cooking it, which sounds a little weird, mm-hmm. kind of like if, you know, you fed a chicken chicken tenders or something gross. Like I've, I've heard people do this. They, they would say if we're going to do a proper understanding of what, what creation is supposed to be set as, then this is what it looks like, and we're going to follow all of these rules not as rules, but as a way to witness like to the guidelines. rest. The rest of the yeah. world is going to witness God's intention through us is how they see it. Which is what it was intended to be. Yes. But that's definitely not no, what that, the whole. Because how familiar yeah. are you with the kosher laws? Probably. I mean, you not. Don't, you don't care. Great. I don't, need, <laughs> I I mean, don't, I, I don't necessarily either, but going to Israel, you start to see things in a different light. So, for example, they have meat in the evening and they have dairy products in the morning if they're practicing kosher because they don't want to boil something in its mother's Mm. milk. So you can't buy a cheeseburger in the Jewish quarter in Israel. You can buy a burger. And you can buy cheese. But you can't put them together. together. Otherwise, you'll get yelled at and thrown out of the market. Uh, Seriously. Mm -hmm. Because you're breaking kosher and they don't want to, they they want people to understand God made each thing for its own place and its own own Mm -hmm. structure. So we're going to do this this way. So what Paul's saying here is 
you died to the waves of the world. And we talked about that in the last podcast in Colossians. So go way back. It was like a month ago. We talked about the elemental spirits of the world. And he's saying, if you're alive now outside of that world, why would you submit to different regulations such as do not handle, do not t- touch, do not taste, which, which is a clean versus unclean thing. But he's not saying you don't ever need to do it. He was saying, why are you submitting to these regulations? Do you understand why you're doing it? So a good Jew even today would say, I'm still following these things. And they eat with Gentiles. They just don't do what the Gentiles do. Mm-hmm. And they would say, I'm not being burdened by this. It is my gift to the world mm-hmm. to do what God's called me to do to properly understand creation. And in proper understanding means they're also going to look at us Gentiles and be like, awesome. You guys get to do whatever you want to do. That's awesome. We don't have that attitude in the world today, right? It's no. usually like, uh, how dare you make me you, do this? Why are you yeah. doing that? Yeah. Why aren't you doing this? Yeah. So he's saying, you know, there are human precepts and teachings that are put out there that have misunderstood what the real nature of the law is. Okay. If the Jews are going to follow the law, they shouldn't judge the Gentiles. And if the Gentiles are not going to follow the law, they shouldn't judge the Jews. You should understand that each of you have a different purpose and plan and, and, and beauty in your life, and you're good. Now, if you're a Gentile who decides, I really want to follow the kosher laws, you're totally allowed to do that. And if you're a Jew who decides, you know what, I don't need to follow the kosher laws, then you're allowed to do that as well. Uh, Paul's just making a case like I'm aiming here for freedom and for consistency within the body. I feel like that's super applicable to isn't it today's day and age. Not passing judgment. Not passing judgment. I right. Have a, I have a piece of cloth on my face. I do not. We can love each other and also worship together. Is mm-hmm. that what you're saying? Yeah. Something yeah. like that as a hypothetical possibility. Yeah. Not that it would ever happen in a world that we live in. Or just making all of these. Other judgments, yeah, based on what that person decides to do. What? Well, if you're doing this, then that means this, this, this must be true about you. Jumping to conclusions. Wow. Those yeah. are some leaps. Anyways, I think we've talked about that before too, but. The jumping to conclusions, Matt. It's a mat with all kinds of conclusions that you can jump to. <laughs> <laughs> that is the worst. <laughs> That's from a movie. Oh, it's so good. That's fantastic. All right, verse 23. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. So I, yeah, I wrote that, like, these are a mere band-aid. Yes. They they do nothing to actually solve the root or the source of the problem. They just cover up a symptom. Like I just, yeah, at the very end when he's like, they don't, they don't do anything to actually stop the indulgence of the flesh. They don't actually help you stop sinning. They don't actually help you do any of those things, they appear wise, which they do. Like all of these things, and we're going to talk about it a little later too, they they appear to have truth in them, but then you'll find yourself continually going back or continually struggling or continually suffering because you're not dealing with the issue. You're just putting a Band-Aid on it and hoping that it's going to solve it. But I just like that. Yeah, I love that last little bit. They are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh because only God does that. Right. And Paul's concept throughout the whole thing is that Christ has already done that. Yep. So Christ in being the perfect follower of the will of God has set atone for us that you and I, by surrendering to him, he has made atonement for us once and for all. So there's freedom for us to do as we choose. And that's a beautiful thing. Unfortunately, we take advantage of that freedom a lot of times as Gentile believers, and we make things worse for ourselves than we could. Oh, yeah. 
So we're still struggling through this. I mean, we've been struggling through this for 2000 years. We have an understanding that's probably not aimed where it should. Very true. So speaking of which, it's time for the deeper dive. Uh, deeper dive. So my, my beard is getting really long. Oh, that has nothing to do with deeper dive. <laughs> uh, I just, I could feel it scratching on the microphone. That was, that was weird. All right, here's the thing. Uh, you know, I told you we would dive into uh, this verse a little more closely. So let me, let me look at 17 and 18 and just kind of help you or help us kind of walk through it and think about it. So these are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions, puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind. So we don't exactly know what's happening in Colossae. We have talked about, early on, we talked about the possibility of Gnosticism, right? This mm-hmm. idea of Gnosticism. So part of the deeper dive here, I just want to dive into Gnosticism a little deeper and talk about what's possibly happening here and why this matters. So again, Gnosticism is chasing after some type of special knowledge or special understanding of things. And what Paul's pushing back on here, at least partly, is there are individuals who are choosing you are a Christian and you are not based on their understanding of the things to come and their understanding of the things to come and its connection with today causes them to pass judgment and to act superior to people based on whether they've had a fuller vision of heaven or not. Mm. I'm sure that doesn't sound familiar at all to the, the culture that we have grown up in and live in. But I've had people come to me and say, I had this amazing experience with the Lord. And so I'm, you know, they didn't say this outright, but I'm better than you because of it. That we, we struggle with this. We've struggled with this from the get-go. So what he's saying is remember that things are a shadow to come. They only have substance from Christ. So even our understanding of heaven right now is, is minimized compared to what Christ is really experiencing. But what people do, and this has been throughout the Christian church all the way through, people decide to do practices to try to achieve eternity in this life right now. So individuals might pull themselves away from people, which is what asceticism is, or they might say, I'm not going to eat this food, or I'm not going to do this, or I'm going to fast for this long. And we need to judge our hearts and try to figure out what's really going on there. Are you choosing to be an ascetic only for the sake of building yourself up and making yourself feel better? Paul's saying there's no purpose for that. Don't let anybody disqualify you because you're not as much an ascetic as they are. So this might be, you know, I'm thinking about Gandhi years ago who just went, you know, long times with very little food, you know, uh, in the Hindu practice or Buddhist practice, people will withdraw themselves from sex for a long period of time to really just prove to the gods in Mm. their mind how great they are and how awesome they are. And Paul's saying in the world that you're living in, that is a common practice. Everybody's doing this kind of thing. And on top of that, some people are even... They've had visions of angels. They've had indications of some sort where they've met an angel or whatever. And so now you're puffing that person up and building them up and saying how great they are. And Paul's saying there really is no place for that. And and the really neat thing and part of the deeper dive here is, is jumping into other parts of Paul's ministry and looking at that. So if you go to other passages, Paul describes various visions that a friend of his had that no one's allowed to talk about. Which is clearly Paul. You know, like if you say, I heard of a guy who went to the third heaven and he experienced all these amazing things and heard words that he couldn't utter, but he wasn't allowed to talk about it. So, you know, just so you know. Yeah, yeah. And he doesn't really say friend, but he's, you know, I know a man who, da, 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 da. 
when he's saying that, he's clearly talking about himself. And Paul is humble enough to say, and really his point in those passages is, I've experienced things that have committed me to my faith and have shown me that I'm, I'm on the right track. But if I walked around and puffed myself up and told everybody how great I was because I've had this experience, I've totally missed it. And so we apply that to, you know, 1 Corinthians 13. If you can do this or this or this, but you don't have love, you've missed it. If you, mm-hmm. if you try to act like this, but you don't understand that it doesn't make you any better than anybody else, you've totally missed it. And so what Paul is saying specifically in verse 18 is just you maybe have had a, a moment where you've sensed something greater. It doesn't make you greater. It makes God greater. And so instead of puffing ourselves up and letting our mind be full of how great we are, maybe back off that a little bit and realize, oh, I should just worship God more because that was a really cool thing that God gave me and gave me access to. So how this applies, you know, as a deeper dive, I've, I don't know about you, but I've had experiences where I hear about other people's experiences with the Lord, right? Or gifts, spiritual gifts they have that I'm, I'm jealous of. Uh And there's a certain thing. You know, someone might say, I had a nine hour prayer session and I saw God on his throne. And I'm like, shut up. Like, why didn't That's I get, so cool. yeah. you know, or like I, I went into my house one time my, when I was younger and my mom, you know, had me over and I came over to my mom's house and my brother's clothes were all folded up on a chair. And I was like, are you kidding me? The rapture happened and I didn't get, <laughs> you know, uh, it didn't happen. He was, he's yeah. still here. Uh, but I was, it was just this moment where in my heart, I get jealous of other people who've had mm-hmm. these great experiences. And Paul's really pushing back on that here, saying this entire passage, why are you doing this? That's not what we're after. Are you after Christ? Then all the substance is in him. And if you choose then to practice this holiday or this holiday or this holiday, or you have this vision or this thing, then praise God for it. But it doesn't make you any better than the brother or sister who didn't. And that's really kind of what he's focusing on here. Sounds good. All right. Let's get practical. Let's get practical, practical. I want to have like a tambourine one of these times. So I just have one thing. I mean, I feel like we've talked a lot about different practical things within this, but the one I really want to focus on is the very last thing we talked about was that Jesus is the only thing that can change the problem. Yep. That can actually deal with the root of the issue. For example, we can, you know, go on a diet. We can get in shape all we want, but until we actually better understand food, nutrition, and our unhealthy habits when it comes to food, we're just going to go back to where we were. So you have to actually get the root of the issue. The diet may work for a while, but simply cutting things out of your diet will only mask the problem that we have with food. It does nothing to change the actual problem. So just as when we simply put rules in place, like do this more, don't do this anymore, stay away from blank, be more about blank, it may work for a little while, but it's not going to do anything to change the actual problem that we may have. Once we surrender to Jesus and let him illuminate those roots, we can actually begin to change the indulgence of the flesh. That is well said. I like it. And that's a very practical way to look at this passage, but also what the entire New Testament is arguing. Our bodies are just a, a part of a journey that's much longer. And you're going to spend more time in your glorified body than you do in your current body. So maybe consider what that means and then live accordingly. Yeah. Which is good. Really, really good. All right. Time for her. Council Corner with Erica. I think it's amazing that every time I say that, it sounds the same now. How? How does it do that? miraculous. Oh, gosh. So this week in the Council Corner, I'm really going to just go 
right on through with what we were just talking about with Let's Get Practical. I really want to dive into this idea of trying to actually find that root of the problem instead of simply putting a Band-Aid over the symptom. There's nothing wrong with rules. There's nothing wrong with setting yourself up for success and having some of those guidelines. But you have those once you actually know yourself better and you know what actually kind of triggers you, you know what's healthy for you, and you know what isn't. And then you set up some of those rules and guidelines. So what I am talking about is really digging deep to better understand your roots and allowing Jesus's truth to transform or redeem them, and then setting rules or guidelines to help align with those truths. So the rules and guidelines actually don't come until you know the root that will actually set you on the trajectory towards, towards the truth. So if you do not do this, then you're going to continually be finding yourself saying, why is this happening to me again? Um, and it could be because you haven't addressed the root. Now, also, it can be because those roots don't actually go away. Those roots are a part of you. They're ingrained in you. They are still there. They are redeemed and transformed by God. But we also still need to continually remember those truths in order to dispel the lies that those um, roots created in the first place. So an example of this is, so I was in college, and I remember I was supposed to meet this guy to talk about something to do with a ministry that we were involved in. He was considerably late, like going on 20 minutes or so, half an hour. And my first thought was, my first thought wasn't like, oh, he must have gotten caught up or, um, you know, something reasonable like that. My, my first thought was, why did I even expect him to show? And my first thought was like, it was negative self-talk. And that, in that moment, I knew that's not healthy. There's right. got to be, there's a root there that needs to be dealt with. Like I almost in my mind was like, oh, I should have known better. I shouldn't have even expected him to come, which is, which is not very healthy. So that threw up a good, a good red flag in my mind that like something's not quite right in my mental state of like how I address, um, especially how I addressed conversations and relationship with men. So this set me down a path to really figure out what my root was, like what caused me to think that initially? What caused me to to have that unhealthy thought and not give him the benefit of the doubt? So I began actually going to counseling and that really helped me to better understand my past and why it created that root around, yeah, how I thought about men and the fruit that that came up to because that thought was the fruit of a root that was very unhealthy. So, um, and that root was really that I was unworthy. I was small. I was insignificant. Why should anybody even care about me? Um, yeah, it was that, why did I even expect him to show? Like Mm -hmm. I'm that insignificant that, yeah. So I now know that that is not me that causes people to be late, that I should expect them to show and to be on time. And I can give grace and give the benefit of the doubt And all of that has come because of the truth that I have replaced that root with. But that doesn't mean that I don't, as I said before, still have those thoughts at times. But I now know the root and I know the truth that can help fix that root. So figure out your roots, replace them with God's truth continually. Because as I said, they are rooted. They will not go away and they will spring back up from time to time. And they need Jesus's truth to be sprayed over top of them again. So... That's yeah, I, I like that a lot. And I especially see that in a lot of people that I work with over the years who 
they have a hard time giving grace to people because of the insecurities that they have. And it's until they, and and this is what you're saying right here, it's until they understand fully that what Christ has already done for them and how he makes them significant, Mm -hmm. now they can then dish out what he's already done for them and and give it to another. So that's straight gospel. It's good stuff. All right. All right, everybody, we're back. 2021. 2021. No more Christmas specials for us. <clears throat> Don't you love how 2021 literally says 2021? One. One. Yeah, W-O-N. W-O-N, yeah. That's, I don't like that. But we're here, so... Yeah, I don't think you really don't get to like it because it's going to be a year. <laughs> I'm just never going to say it, okay? I'm just going to say start, 21. You just start calling it 21. Another, the year 5021 <laughs> in my star time. <laughs> Eric has made up our own calendar again. Mom. Oh, that's too funny. Yeah, here we go. I think. I'm just uh, going to say 2021. That's <laughs> You know, at the time we're recording this, we're early in January. And I, th- I think January 2021 so far, it's off to a rocking start. We're actually recording this on the Thursday after what happened yesterday. So, well, great. In, in fairness, January. every Thursday is the day that happened after. Shut up. <laughs> but yeah, I was meaning yes, based yes, on what happened cor- cor- the Wednesday of yesterday. Yesterday, the you know the electoral college Golly. confirmation was was slowed down and stopped for a moment because of craziness, and uh, it just really confirmed to me that. For anyone who puts their hope in a year changing, they're idiots. <laughs> Thinking that it's going to restart. If we were going to rewrite this passage from Paul to us today, he might say something like, don't think that because the year has changed another, you know, the calendar has turned over to another year, that anything's really going to change. All substance is really only found in Christ, not in the year and whether it's practiced yeah. or not. But also, do not get me wrong. I'm laughing. It's not funny at all what happened yesterday. It was a very serious thing. It was absolutely ridiculous. Anyways. Yeah. No one was taking it that way, I don't think. I'm but, just but I'm glad you clarified. Definitely wanting to clarify. We are all about clarification. Yes. I've had to apologize numbers of times for saying things that are stupid. And you weren't saying anything stupid. You were just laughing. Yes, which it's we not are, It's not funny. We're kind of to the point where we just we, we laugh. Laugh so we don't cry. Yeah, we really <laughs> laugh because this... This world is so ludicrous that there's really no other way to handle it. It's true. And our hope is in Jesus because, as we just read, all of our substance is found in him and him alone. Yes. Booyah. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, we'll everybody. see you guys next week. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Yamcast. You can check us out at yamcast.podbean.com or on any other podcasting apps like iTunes. We would love it if you'd leave us a review that is any number between four and a half and five stars. If you have any questions that you'd like us to answer here on the podcast, you can email us at yamcastpod at gmail.com. That is yamcastpod at gmail.com. If you'd like more information about us, you can check us out at parkhillschurch.com or on the App Store with the Park Hills Church app. We are also on Instagram, so give us a follow at The Yamcast. Cast.